But uh, I send greetings from snowy Somerville, South Carolina. I never thought I would put those words in the sentence, but it was uh, a good week, a fun week. Now it can all just go away. I'm tired of it. (laughs) Give us t-shirt weather. We're South Carolinians, for goodness sake. We've had enough. But it has been a special week for kids, especially, but, but also today's a special day for us adults and children, because this is the day we celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus. So typically Anglicans have four days historically when we remember our baptism and bring others into the household of God through the waters of baptism. John Michael Ryder is being baptized as we speak over in the church building. The four days are, of course, Easter. Easter is a great day to be baptized because what happened? Jesus trampled down death by his death on Good Friday paved the way for the forgiveness of our sins, and rose victorious from the grave on the third day. And those who are in Christ Jesus through faith are heirs of everlasting life and resurrection glory. What a great time to be baptized. Pentecost is the other day. Remember, the Holy Spirit of God descended upon 120 disciples, followers, and they received the encouragement, the grace, and the courage to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Remember, Jesus gave them that great commission. He said, go therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. And and so Pentecost is a great day to be baptized because We're baptized into Christ Jesus and then sent on a mission to disciple those we love in the saving faith of Christ. The third day, of course, is All Saints Day. Did you know that you're a saint? That's right. Your wife or your husband may not call you that very often, but you are. Not by virtue of your goodness or holiness, but by virtue of what Jesus Christ has done for us. I love that picture of joy in Revelation 7 where John is looking up into heaven and saying, who are these people worshiping around the throne of God dressed in white? And, of course, the message comes back. These are the ones who've washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. So we're saints by virtue of the blood of the Lamb Jesus. And we baptize on All Saints Day to to welcome new members into the household of God. And finally, there's today, the baptism of our Lord where Jesus went down under the waters, rose up again, and heard those words from his Father, You're my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And what he did for us, he didn't need forgiving of sins, did he? But he set a pattern of righteousness and faithfulness so that we would follow his pattern of faith in our generation. So those are the wins, the four classic days that the church keeps baptism. But now the why. The why is more important. And I find that even good Anglicans miss out on the why oftentimes. I had one loosely connected parishioner in Conway. Hadn't seen him for months and months, didn't attend church very much. I'd heard that they had had a baby, and certainly he was there that day with baby in tow. And he greeted me on the greeting line on the way out. And, and, and he kind of stumbled and fumbled for the words. And he said, I, I, you know, I got this baby now, and I guess we, we need to uh, do that thing. I said, that thing. He said, you know, that thing that we do in church, get, we got to get her done. 
I'm like, get her done. Are you channeling Larry, the cable guy? <laughs> what is this? I said, you mean baptism? He said, oh, yeah, 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 that's it. We need to get her baptized. You see, I think that some people see baptism as, as a rite of passage. And, and if they don't get their child baptized, then they're not really being good parents. So they, they take them up to the church simply to get her done. Some people even hold on to the old idea that, that there's some kind of magic in the water. That somehow magically, if you dunk a child deeply enough and enough times in the right order and say the right prayers, then poof, they come out a Christian. That's bad theology too. You see, if it were magic water, we would take Father John and me and Father Tyler and we would all go to the Somerville Fire Department and we would bless a big old tank of water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We would drive it to the annual Flower Town Festival and we would spray the entire crowd. But we don't do that, do we? I don't think the people at the Flower Town Festival would appreciate it anyway. So some people even feel pressure. Pressure from well-meaning grandparents and others in their life to, to get her done at the right point of time. But let me just say, if you truly care about your child or your grandchildren, open up the Word of God to them. Tell them about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Pray for them every day on your knees. Pray with them. Worship with them. Sing the glories of God to them. That will be your greatest gift your greatest legacy to impress faith upon those children. You see, passing down the faith is the second part of baptism, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. You see, baptism, just water, means very little if we don't take time to raise the children in the faith. In other words, baptism doesn't save. It's faith saves. Ephesians 5 or 2, 8, and 9, Paul says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not a work. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that none of us may boast. So here's the deal. When you baptize a child, hopefully, if we're doing our job as parents and grandparents and godparents, if they've got a solid church community that preaches and teaches the gospel of Christ, then one day, perhaps at their confirmation day, they will stand before the church, before the bishop, for their friends and families and relatives, and they will boldly profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they will claim for themselves the promises we made for them when they were just little tykes. On that day, it'll be a day of great rejoicing, not because of magic water, but because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul writes in Galatians 4, 4 to 6, he says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that, and here's the powerful image about baptism, so that we might be adopted as God's sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters of God, God sent his Spirit, the Spirit of his Son, into our hearts and has allowed us to cry out to the Father, Abba, Father. You know, that Aramaic word, Abba, some people have translated it into father. Some people say it's more like daddy. But I like what Tim Keller has to say about it. He says it, it, it's more intimate than even those words. It means dada, dada. You remember your child was so dependent on you every day when they were just little, little babies? Dada, dada, dada. 
I loved it. And the first time my, my son cried out, Dada, you know, he didn't cry out, Mama. Uh, I had a bet with her that he would say, Dada, first, and I won. <laughs> but, but it was excellent just to know that he loved me and wanted a relationship with me. That term or that idea of adoption is what we most uh, associate with baptism. J.I. Packer has a wonderful thesis paper. It's only about eight pages. I highly recommend it. Go on the ACNA website and read about baptism from an Anglican perspective. It's under the liturgy resources. Uh, but if you go to that paper, he says that the old covenant in Abraham for the Jews was established at circumcision. So the journey with God began, began at circumcision. He said for Christians in the new covenant, it is baptism that correlates with the Old Testament idea of circumcision. That's why we bring babies into the life of the church through the waters of baptism so that we might begin a faith journey with them, building them up, encouraging them, and discipling them into mature faith. In the 39 articles in the back of the prayer book, I highly recommend this too. Article number 27 is of baptism, what we believe. It says that baptism's not only a sign of the profession of our faith, it's also a sign of our regeneration and new birth in Christ Jesus. And they that receive baptism rightly are grafted into the life of the church, the family of God. And they are promised the forgiveness of their sins, the adoption to be sons and daughters of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and are given visible signs and sealings that their faith is being confirmed and grace is being increased through the faithful prayers of the saints. Isn't that a beautiful idea? We bring them in, we begin to pray for them, encourage them, to bestow grace upon them. That's what we believe. I know some people talk about being rebaptized. Now, Anglicans don't get rebaptized. Why? Because what happens at baptism doesn't depend on the righteousness of the priest. Thank goodness, for goodness sake. It doesn't depend on if you say the prayers perfectly. It doesn't depend on human activity and agency. The power of baptism is the power of the living God. So you don't have to be rebaptized, even if you don't remember it, because it's not about you. It's about what God's doing in your life. God grafts, God forgives, God adopts, God increases the grace. It's all about Him. So, one more note on baptism if there's still a bad theology out there or two that I can knock down. And this is it. I've heard a lot of well-meaning people say, well, we're all children of God, right? Well, no, not really. You know, God creates a miracle in a mother's womb to give life. Only God gives life. So, yeah, we're, we're children of God by the flesh, but not by the Spirit. The Bible says that we are at enmity. We're separated from God the Father at our birth. In fact, because of the sin of Adam and Eve passed down through the generations, because of our daily sin and, and uh, oftentimes disobedience before the Father. That's why God was sending Jesus into the world to bring us back into the family, to adopt us through grace back into the household of God. So here's what John 1, 12 and 13 says. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children of God. Gave them the right to become children who were not born of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God himself. God gave us the right. 
So I'll end with this. On December 10th, 1966, little baby boy was born in the Baptist Hospital in Columbia, South Carolina. His name was simply Baby Boy Glenn. A few weeks later, his parents, by grace and love and nurture, came into his life and adopted him. And Tom and Nita Jeffords gave baby boy Glenn a new name, brought him home from the hospital, called him Julian Thomas Jeffords III. And throughout his life, he was nurtured, given an inheritance, given a new name, given a history. The Jeffords taught me how to be a Jeffords throughout my life so that one day I would claim to be a Jeffords and pass down the heritage to my children. They provided me safety and food and clothing and nurture and love, and they adopted me. That's what God is doing at the waters of baptism, by his grace adopting us into the household of God. And when we fulfill the vows that we take at baptism, we help to nurture faith in that next generation. So today we remember that our Lord set the pattern as he was baptized, and we who are baptized will begin to disciple and train up others in godliness and righteousness. Romans 8, 17 and 15 says this, For when you were adopted by the grace of God, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We don't have to fear. Those waters of baptism remind us that we're loved. We're in the family of God and we're precious to him. So you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we're able to cry, Abba, Father. And when you doubt your salvation, guess what? Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. And if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with the King, the Lord Jesus Christ. God loves us that much. We are that precious to God. And we remember that when we remember our baptism. Let us pray. Holy God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so gracious that we who were cut off and separated from you by sin have found through Jesus Christ a way to enter your covenant family, to begin to walk with you and to love you, to worship you and praise you. Help us, dear Lord, to bring that light of Christ into a darkened world and to share Jesus with our future generations of children and grandchildren and Godchildren. Give us the grace to do so, dear Lord, with uh, love and a winsomeness of spirit so that we might bring the truth to the world and do it in a loving way. In Jesus' name we pray.